Welcome to Music City Horror episode 36. We have a full house tonight. Kayla KB, Lena, this is Zila. Hey. Hey, yo, Breezies. What's up? So, <laughs> um, so we are back. The last episode, we interviewed the directors of Ready or Not. Um, it played in the theaters. It was awesome. We had a great time. Uh, today's episode, we are interviewing David Weiner, who is the director of the new documentary coming out called In Search of Darkness. And it is all about 80s horror. That's it. Slashers, sci-fi, um, special effects, everything. And it is pretty much a who's who of 80s horror. Um, John Carpenter's on it, Barbara Crampton, um, and Andre Gower, who was in Monster Squad, um, Rick Garris, uh, Greg Nicotera's in it, right? He's, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Greg, the, the Greg Nicotera. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much a who's who. Kane Hodder's in it. I mean, it's awesome. Uh, they, they sent us the link early, let us view it, and we're floored. We love it. Um, can't wait for everyone else to experience it uh, in October. So very excited that he took some time out of his schedule to line that up with us. So we have that chat coming at the end of the show. So for now, um, it is just, um, I don't know guys, it's our time to thrive. You know, we made it. It is. And we um, are. Yeah, boy, yeah, boy. <laughs> it, is, it is October. Um, yes. so we have released the, um, uh, the streaming guide for October, which is surprisingly light, we found out, um, but it is available. Music. Well, right Hulu was killing it, mm-hmm. first of all. Yeah, Hulu was killing it. And Netflix has a couple of interesting things, but mostly Shutter and Hulu. Just stick with yeah. those and you'll be all set. Yeah, I did see, <clears throat> I think the one thing we wanted to point out is just maybe some things we're excited about. Um, and Obviously, I know the big thing everyone's excited about, but uh, Nightmare Cinema comes out October 29th on um, Shudder, and I watched that, and it was pretty good. Uh, also, Haunt, I know Lane and I have seen it and both love that. Yes. Uh, that'll be October 24th. Um, but uh, I, I guess the big thing is still the Creep Show, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah online they've got what the, the future episodes are going to be so i was trying to figure out what it could be <laughs> i know after the first episode uh, yeah. i'm just so blown away yeah um let me let me just interject because i think that we're 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 missing something very important um because right now uh obviously this won't air until friday and the world will know but uh stranger yes. things four yeah uh, I mean, they they confirmed it. That's yeah. true. We should have we should have started off the episode with that because yeah. um, that was a bomb that dropped today. So uh, if you haven't seen it, go see the teaser. It's just like five seconds, but it goes from the you know. I don't want to spoil it because I'm a purist, and if somebody spoiled it <laughs> on a podcast for me and I hadn't watched it yet, I would want I would never listen again. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about it. Watch it. It's important, uh, and I I'm, feel I'm excited. Yeah, you, you know what? You should. Because I sent you the I sent you the link. <laughs> you today, should. So. You are the one that sent it, but you're Ooh. still not talking about it. So you should be ashamed. <laughs> That's true. I was thinking about I was thinking about Bray Wyatt. Um. So yeah, I mean the rumor is oh, um, the this mm. may be the last season. Interesting. 
yeah, I think mm-hmm. I've heard that. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they they've said since the beginning they this isn't like this isn't going to be like whatever friends or Frasier, you know, go 10, 12, 14 yeah. seasons. They're like five tops. I mean, they, they really want mm-hmm. the kids to be kids. They don't want them to be 21, 22 and playing yeah. 16 year olds or whatever. So I, I respect that. Um, it just sucks because this is probably the biggest show Netflix has ever had. Probably will ever have. Um, so we'll see. Um, I mean, you know, it kind of caught everyone off guard because the third season just dropped in July. So, um, but you know, it was kind of like the worst kept secret in the world. I think everybody knew they were renewing it. So, um, I mean, it's a, so, world, yeah. so that's it's a worldwide <laughs> phenomenon. Why would they not renew it at least for one more season? I mean, it, it's, it, it's, you yeah. can, you can buy Hopper's t-shirt in a target or hot topic or something like that. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. We have, they were definitely going to give us one more season. I bought a roast beef shirt. Yeah, you did. You did buy that roast beef shirt, and it's beautiful. I never. Yeah, I interviewed. I never found the uh, the eleven <laughs> romper, but that eleven romper sold out on Target, and it never oh, got restocked. Oh like God. I've I've tried to find it so oh. many times, and oh. it, it, people were reselling it on Poshmark for like two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. That's how crazy this I, shit is, y'all. Oh, oh my god. That's wild. I'll find it oh, for you. Baby. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> we all just get matching ones. Eli, you'll wear one Hell too. Yeah. Yep. It'd be the best picture. It'll be ever. so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get the the Hopper's Hawaiian shirt and then stop eating healthy and, and just get my gut. <laughs> just dad bought it out. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Nah, dude. So, um Nah, dude. But <laughs> there's also a rumor that uh, the next season of Joe Bob will be dropping in Ooh. October as well. Ah, uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking too, because the there's rumor. a big I'm surprise. Here, I, I hope yeah, so. That like a uh, couple nights before mm-hmm. Halloween, there's going to be a big Joe Bob Halloween special. Yeah, yeah which would be awesome. Yeah, maybe we we'll, we can get Darcy on the show before then. She's she's yes. a busy bee, busy bee now. So we'll see. Um. But yeah, creep show. I mean, do we want to kind of discuss the first two episodes or just say? Oh so, man, come I on. loved it. I thought it was so fun, and oh, it, it was, was just fun. so much fun. Both of the stories were awesome. Stephen King wrote the first one, and then Josh Mallerman wrote the second one um, from Bird Box. I think people mm-hmm. know him best from then, and both of them were really excellent. It was and that creepy. one was the first creepy. one's not particularly scary. It's just kind of yeah gross but um, the second one creeped me out big time yeah <laughs> yeah but i love it um well i mean we don't we don't have to talk about it but everybody should watch it, it. Um, yes but it is available on shutter yes yeah, check it, it out new episodes yes. will be dropping i mean y'all could watch it i'll just leave I yeah, <laughs> if i need do you want me to just leave no no it's 30, do 40, so. 45 mm-hmm. minutes um we can't I'm a cancer yeah, so. Don't tell me you too little. Oh, no. Don't leave. <laughs> um, but, yes, they they have uh, spent a good amount of money, um, and the first two episodes are killer. 
this brought up the debate about uh, Tales from the Crypt, which was almost rebooted a couple years ago. And I don't know what the deal is. I guess the rights to that is just really chaotic because they have like the stories, but then they also have the Crypt Keeper who I guess those are separate Hmm. uh, rights. So if they do that, they have to get rights to both. And it just ended up just not happening. And so I think until HBO decides to do it, which they just got bought out by AT&T. So they've got more money than God. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that at some point since it did get close, you know, three or four years ago, but as of now it's not happening, but, um, but that's not about creep show. So anyways, creep show. Yes. Um, yeah, really dug it. The first episode, there's a lot of, uh, Stephen King Easter eggs. So if you, um, even if you're not a massive fan, you should at least catch four, three or four. So, um, yeah. And then I think the, somebody said the, the only big movie coming out is yeah. Zombieland, right? The sequel. I believe so. Which looks pretty thick. So I, there's, unfortunately it's kind of weird. There's not a lot to get excited about this October. Yeah. I guess that leaves more room to just watch your old faves. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um I watched the um uh, that that uh the zombie one that just came out with Bill Murray. Oh uh, yeah. Don't die. Mm-hmm. What did you think about that one? Eh. Eh. <laughs> I was the same. I was uh, I saw I saw all the funny stuff in the trailer. Oh, I, feel like. I hate that. Yep. I don't watch trailers, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good song by yeah. Sturgill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, um, you know, I think, it, I think it got hyped up a little bit more than it was, it was, I guess. Um, so I don't know, but I've watched the last few weeks. I've watched haunt, um, candy corn, uh, satanic panic and, uh, one of those other horror flicks. Well, that one, we just talked about the Bill Murray and then one other one. Um, anyways, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out now on streaming and, you know, even if you can spare a dollar 50 and rent something for Redbox, there's, there's a lot of good stuff out right now. So, um, so yeah, um, we're also doing our annual Halloween movie list. So this is just our recommendations for, um, you know, you get home on a Wednesday and like, crap, what can I watch? And then you pull it up and it's the second day of the month. Like, oh, okay, cool. I'll watch this, whatever. So this list, we focused on the best of the decade because it's almost a new decade, which is wild. So crazy. And um, we've already had some people, you know, kind of chime in. And obviously the list of the, the movies that could have been on the main list or like it's like three times as long, you know? Uh, I mean, even up until we published it, we were all like, Hey, hey, change number five to this. Okay. (laughs) Take this off, put this, you know, I mean, it was by no means is this comprehensive. We just think these are some of the the best of the decade. And, um, one of my buddies was like, Oh, so Midsummer's your favorite of the whole decade. It's like, no, that's just the first day. Bro. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. And on order. And let me be, <laughs> let me be very works. clear because y'all, yeah. I did not like Midsummer at all. I'm going to be real honest with you. I did not enjoy it. <laughs> I was bored. 
And I just generally, honestly kind of hated it. I thought it was beautiful. But everything else I just was so disinterested in. So I actually want to put out a challenge because I don't want to be uh, associated with picking that movie. Um, uh, (laughs) Don't give away anything because I want to issue a challenge and y'all can say yay or nay to this. If somebody can get who picked what right, we should send somebody like t-shirts and stickers. Ooh. So if somebody, minimum you can get like... I, we could do like a first and second place. A grand prize, you get a t-shirt and stickers. If you guess all of it, like second place, at least get two out of four. Oh, yeah. That would be really fun. So I think I think okay. we should issue a challenge. What do y'all think? I think so. So I, like it. Uh, I mean, it y'all get a freebie <laughs> because Kayla outed yes. herself. No. Well... It's also you like, literally yeah, can't get anything else. Yeah, you, you can't use that one. <laughs> or you lose. But, yeah, but the rest of them, people should guess. Yeah. Some of them might be kind of hard. So. Yeah. Um, and whoever picked this one doesn't have to say anything. But your your reaction to Midsummer was my reaction to Suspiria. So. Yeah, I um. There we go. I just I don't know. I mean, Heredit- I thought Hereditary was better. Hereditary yeah, was I did appreciate wildly it. better. Yeah. I mean, there is a significant gap between Midsummer and Hereditary. Hereditary was a beautiful, unsettling, uncomfortable, just absolutely nightmarish movie. Midsummer was, mm-hmm. while it was pretty, like, I mean, it was just, I mean, absolutely gorgeous. The, you know, the cinematography was. I could watch it, but the story to me just, I don't know. It just was just bland. I mean, yeah, it was weird, but I don't know. I just, something just didn't click with me and I just didn't, I didn't feel connected to it at all. That girl's a really good actress though. Like she was, I think that uh, we were, we watched it this weekend and, and Aaron kept calling, uh, that one guy, uh, Christian shitty Chris Pratt. And I just, I hated that guy. He was the worst. And I just, I don't know. I just didn't like it. Mm -hmm. That's That's all I can say is like, I just generally, like generally disliked that movie and I didn't want to. Yeah. Well, that's the nice thing about horror is, you know, depending on how you, watch it yeah well you know what filter you watch it through or you know i've had some people that couldn't even finish it because Mm -hmm. you know it kind of reflected their personal stuff you know like it was just too too triggering and stuff so um if nothing else i mean he he's he's definitely swinging for the fences you know what i mean i mean he's doing wild stuff that's you're not really seeing a lot of nowadays so yeah, I'm so you know that list is on our website musiccityhorror.com and we posted it on Instagram which by now if you didn't see it it's already gone. But anyways, um so yeah, so we will be busy with that all um all month and you know, check the website, we'll post it on Instagram as well. Uh we'll do a little write up each day for the um 
Yeah, how are we going to do that contest? Because when we post the review, <laughs> we'll oh, oh shit! Well, you know, maybe. You're right. Yeah. Uh, well. uh, never mind. I didn't well, think about that. We'll, we'll, we'll come we up. We could just we'll do like a flash. We, I was going to say, we could do a flash. They get a free first week. So they get within that first week. True. They already know that Kayla did the yeah. first week. So they get that first week to choose. <laughs> and that's it. Well, I don't I don't think yeah. they knew she did the first week until just now. No, she outed herself and said that she chose Midsummer, And we said that we... <laughs> I she they get a freebie. Yeah, I think that was just confirming she did Midsummer, not the whole week. No, no, she said <laughs> it was me. Mm. She used those words. It it's was a interpretation. Yeah, it's me. It's me. So let's well, just let's just give them a week, and then they have to. Yeah, if the yeah. wheels don't fall off this whole thing, we'll do it. If not, we'll come up with a better uh, giveaway in. November or something. I'm just saying. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, but now it is time for the best part of the show. And now it's time for another exciting edition of Lena's Fun Facts, brought to you by Lena Harrington. I don't know how I got my voice to sound like that. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> It is. <laughs> I was going for like a 1930s, uh, you know, like a newspaper. Extra, extra. You know, like one of those. Yeah. That's what I was. That. That's what I was channeling. That's yeah. what I was going for. So, you know, yeah. I'm Anyways, it. take it away, Lena. All right. For this week's fun facts, I want to discuss with y'all a case that's caught my attention as of late. The case of Michael and Christine Barnett and the adoption of an Ukrainian quote unquote Dude. child. Yes. Y'all heard about oh this? my god! I <laughs> I'm like, I'm already, I'm, I'm already a little scared. Oh my god! I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh, so there's a lot, there's a lot to cover. So y'all hang in here with me. I kind of try to like sum it up everything that's kind of happened so far with it. Uh, Want to go ahead and credit Daily Mail because that's where I got all my info. So here we go. It has all the elements of a horror movie. An unsuspecting Christian couple adopts an adorable little girl. That's up for interpretation. (laughs) Only to discover. (laughs) Sorry, Natalia. She is an adult sociopath masquerading as a child, which that is also up for discussion. Um, If the premise sounds familiar, that's because it's almost the same plot as the 2009 movie Orphan. Yeah, I love that movie. I used to have the DVD of it. Uh, Okay. I think oh, I might so still have the DVD of it. it that now. movie is so good. Yeah, creepy. We all, Never saw we that. We need to rewatch this after this <laughs> fun facts thing. We'll have to go watch it. <laughs> yes. Um, as far fetched as it sounds, this is the astonishing defense put forward by a mom of three and parenting author, shockingly accused of felony, felony neglect for abandoning her, for abandoning her adopted daughter. Christine Barnett and her ex-husband now, Michael, are alleged to have dumped Ukrainian-born Natalia Grace at an apartment in Lafayette, Indiana in 2013 before moving to Canada one month later. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Police say the girl was left to fend for herself for three years despite having a rare form of dwarfism. That means she is three foot tall and has problems walking. 
But in an exclusive interview, um, Christine, the, the mother, insists there's a major flaw in the case. Uh, Natalia was not a nine-year-old, as documents claim. She was actually 22. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> I immediately had to look up photos, you know, because I was like, like how oh, do you, get, how are you that far like, off? That's, that's mm-hmm. a pretty big gap. Right. Yeah. I mean, and she does look like a child. Um, but Christine claims the true victims are her and her family who were terrorized for years by the mysterious imposter who threatened <laughs> to stab them in their sleep. Pushed her towards an electric fence and poured bleach in her coffee. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought I heard somewhere that she also caught her smoking a cigarette, but I couldn't find any claims of that on the internet. <laughs> um, quoting Christine, so quoting the, the mom, she was standing over people in the middle of the night. You couldn't go to sleep. We had to hide all the sharp objects. I saw her putting chemicals, bleach, Windex, Yay. something like that in my coffee, and I asked her, what are you doing? <laughs> she said, I am trying to poison you. Probably just like that, too. Oh, my Lord. I'm trying to poison you. Exactly, yeah. Very sweetly. Very sweetly. Uh, The media is painting me to be a child abuser, but there is no child here, said uh, Christine. Natalia was a woman. She had periods. She had adult teeth. She never grew a single inch, which would happen even with a child with dwarfism. The doctors all confirmed she was suffering a severe psychological illness only diagnosed in adults. She was jumping out of moving cars. She was smearing blood on windows. Oh, or mirrors, not windows. <laughs> Either way, creepy. Uh, she was doing things you could never imagine a child doing. Um, before criminal charges were um, leveled at them on September 11th, Barnett and her ex-husband were hailed as exemplary parents who raised uh, a child genius, their son named Jake. He was diagno- diagnosed with autism at age two, uh, but had his first academic paper published at 12, and by 15 was studying at a prestigious physics institute. Pretty cool. Um, so when they were adopting Natalia, they are only given 24 hours uh, to complete the adoption. It was an emergency adoption. Uh, they raced from Indiana to Florida to sign the paperwork and meet their quote-unquote six-year-old daughter. Um, Natalia had been in the U.S. for two years, had a Ukrainian birth certificate reading September 4th, 2003, and needed a home immediately because her previous parents, adopted parents, gave her up for undisclosed reasons. Um, over the next few days, the couple showered Natalia with attention, taking her to Disney World for ice cream, uh, treats, and having pillow fights with her three brothers to slowly bring her out of her shell. Um, so Christine grew more alarmed. Uh, and then a Oh, yes, this was Christine. When she saw the little girl naked for the first time. Okay. So, quote, I was giving her a bath, and I noticed that she had full pubic hair. I was so shocked. I had just been told she was a six-year-old girl, and it was very apparent she wasn't. Uh, There were more clues after that. Natalia shunned dolls and toys, sought the comfort or the company of teenage girls, and appeared to use sophisticated vocabulary for someone beyond her age. Okay. Um, And then she started finding bloody clothing around, suggesting Natalia was having a period. Um, They sought the help of a family physician who did a bone density test, which suggested she was 14 or older. Um, Let's see. By 2011, uh, Natalia was 
smearing bodily fluid on the walls, making death threats and hearing voices. Uh, so they hospitalized her. Uh, in June of 2012, <laughs> uh, while she was at the psychiatric hospital, she told nurses that she tried to kill her family and described it as fun. Yes. Later, later that year, um, the Barnetts su- successfully applied to have her age changed on her birth certificate. They changed it from 8 to 22. And then that <laughs> is when Oof. they... Got her an apartment, security, a social security card, an ID. Uh, they and they left her and went to Canada. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. So let's see. In September, an affidavit of probable co- probable cause states that expert experts carried out. Oh wait, no, I covered that. Sorry. Uh, no. So. Let's see. In 2013, they said that Natalia was still a child when they got her that apartment. So that was why an arrest was warranted to the couple. Um, They have been released on bail. Depending on whom you believe, Natalia Grace is either a 16-year-old girl or a 30-year-old sociopath. Um, And today, Natalia is now living with a family of five in Indiana um, her new father is an ordained pastor, lives with his wife, mm. and they apply for legal guardianship of Natalia, um, claiming she's 13 or 14, so they're trying to get her, her um, birth certificate changed to that. So, what do y'all think? Yeah, it is insane. This is freaking wild. You think she's... A, yeah. Yeah. The whole, like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I would like to say that I did listen to another podcast that talked about this, last podcast on the left, and they brought up a good point uh, that the couple had a son, you know, that he was like a child genius. And what if they adopted Natalia oh, knowing that I she was older but looked younger yeah. and tried to play her off as another mm. child genius. I don't know. I, I don't know. Every that. time I think about it, I think about Orphan and that. I can't get it out of my head. I'm like, obviously she's some sort of, mm. you know. I mean. Evil imposter, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I, yeah. I mean, the first time I saw the headline, I, <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I didn't even think about it because I was like, exactly. I mean, it sounds like a movie. And then you start digging in like, oh, this was a movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's freaking. I mean, I think more signs point to her not being a child. Yeah, she's definitely not six, like a like a little kid. Crazy but stuff. the fact that she right. might be a teenager makes some sense because that's pretty close. But yeah. Still, like the fact that she went, you know, pretty bonkers uh-huh. on her adoptive family is terrifying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, according to all of this, if her age was 22 in 2012, so she would be almost like 30 yeah. now. <laughs> but crazy. I don't know. I mean, I she's story. happy with the family <laughs> she's with now. So that's good. Yes, because that obviously is something. I mean, I hope she's getting the mental health care she needs. Yeah, yeah. No matter what age she is, some there's, she's got to be affected somehow. You know, um, so 
Ugh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Um, cool. So um, in the in that uh, time where Lena was going over our fun facts, uh, you mentioned banana splits, and it's going to be on Sci-Fi in October. So, and I think Sci-Fi is like they may have to edit some of it, but it'll be pretty close to the theatrical yes. release or the straight to DVD release. Right. So it'll be kind of bloody and gory. So that's a, that's a weird trip. If you mm-hmm. haven't seen it yet, I enjoy cool. it. So, so yeah. yeah. So I think that wraps up this part of the show and we will get to our interview with uh, David Weiner, the director of uh, in search of dark. <laughs> Yeah, that's part of the game. Uh, so today's episode, we have a very special guest. Um, I have been excited about this project since it was announced just because um, if you listen to the show, you know I love the 80s. I love the slashers. That's what got me into horror and and then you know started going backwards and fall in love with the classics and you know all up to the modern stuff so um new documentary out uh in search of darkness it's about 80s slashers um the whole decade you know from practical effects to you know being the mtv generation the whole nine i mean it covers the whole bases uh so we are lucky to have the director here david weiner um and we're going to chat a little bit about this project so david thanks for joining us today pleasure to join you guys thanks for having me on yeah sorry Sorry about all this, these hiccups here, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, first question is always softball question, you know, kind of tell us about your background, you know, where you're from, went to school, the whole nine. Yeah. Well, I, um, I am a, I'm an East coaster, but I live in Los Angeles now, but I grew up in uh, New York and, uh, I have a Midwestern family from Chicago. So I'm kind of from all over the place, but I went to uh, film school in Ithaca in upstate New York, Ithaca college film school. Uh, and after I lent, left there, I came out to Los Angeles to seek uh, fame and fortune in the entertainment industry. And I've been bouncing around and there ever since. But uh, my background pretty much includes uh, several years of film production, uh, development, a lot of internet startups, booms and busts. And uh, I did a long stretch at Entertainment Tonight. I worked there for 13 years at uh, ET Online as a senior editor there and uh, I ran Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine as the executive editor uh, in 2015 and 2016. And these days when I'm not making uh, four and a half hour movies about 80s horror movies, uh, I, I contribute to uh, The Hollywood Reporter and LA Weekly as an entertainment journalist. If you're going to have four hours of anything, you should have four hours of 80s horror movies. <laughs> That's right. There you go. It sounded like a four-hour background introduction, but, you know. You we asked. ate it up. Yeah, it's funny when, when it's, like, horror-related. Like, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary was about that long, the Friday 13th. Like, it's like, yes, <laughs> I cannot <laughs> wait. But if it was, like, a, you know, documentary about Bill Clinton or something, you know, no no thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, the documentary is is a tall order. I mean, people hear the word documentary, and I think traditionally they just already think, oh, I have to eat my vegetables. How boring. A documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am the same way. I enjoy many types of documentaries, but if it's slow moving and it's a slog, then, you know, it, it's tough. And you obviously have to go in uh, with a real appreciation of what the topic is. But, um, 
my goal for this was to be a real nostalgia chip through a, a, an amazing decade of, of movie making and uh, to be very entertaining and to be fast moving and to be fun and light. And uh, I hope it's something that I achieved because we had some wonderful people uh, helping to make this and participating uh, in terms of discussing this decade. Just give us, I mean, I'm sure that this is going to be a pretty long list. Uh, what inspired you as far as movies when you were growing up? Growing up, I was an absolute, uh, I, I, I had an animal that would keep me company. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm hearing a fucking dog. Yeah, I, um, that's me. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> um, I, I had lots of, um, I was a TV kid growing up. I watched TV all the time. I was a Saturday morning cartoon kid and I got to see lots and lots of movies and Saturday morning uh, movie uh, TV shows would end the cartoons and I'd always stick around and watch the monster movies growing up, you know, so I, I'd watch the, the classic uh, universal horror movies, Frankenstein, Dracula. Did you have a, did you have a horror host? Uh, we, we had a, I did not, growing up up in upstate New York, uh, when I was watching these things, we didn't have a horror host, but we had a thing called Chiller Theater, Mm -hmm. which was on, I think it was Friday night or Saturday night. And it it haunts me to this day. It had the ultimate opening where you had this six-fingered hand coming out of a swamp, spelling out in claymation letters, Chiller, uh, for Chiller Theater. And then they'd play these awesome or awful schlock movies. But between Godzilla movies and and the famous monsters of my youth, I became uh, enamored with that kind of stuff. Uh, but I was also a, a sci-fi nut as well, and I watched lots of Star Trek and um, you know Star Wars rocked my world. But probably it wasn't until uh, I saw Halloween and John Carpenter's Halloween that uh, I really became tuned into a whole other genre. Uh, you know, you The Exorcist would be on TV. The Amityville Horror would be on TV and and Halloween would be on TV. When I was old enough, pretty much starting, I would say, with American Werewolf in London, I'd start getting to see these things in the theater. And uh, it not only did these scare the hell out of me, they they intrigued me. They made me very interested in, in, in sort of dissecting and deconstructing the filmmaking aspects because it scared me so much. I wanted to know how that was done and uh, and to be one step ahead of these 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 tricks up the st- sleeves of the directors so I could actually anticipate the next scare. And that's kind of the foundation there. Yeah, that that's super awesome. And I can totally relate to that because I grew up with the Universal Monsters as well. And just the way that they make you, those movies make you feel, you know, it's just like unlike anything. Um, but we definitely want to talk about In Search of Darkness. Um from start to finish, how long was the process? Um, and just kind of give us an overview of uh, the writing and directing of it. Well, this is a project that uh, it's the brainchild of uh, Robin Block, who is the executive producer of the film. And he uh, was was putting together a documentary uh, that's coming out shortly as well called In Search of the Last Action Heroes, which is an 80s centric action heroes documentary about the, that genre. And uh, he wanted to uh, concurrently put together another documentary about 80s horror. And uh, thus, In Search of Darkness was born. And the idea was to get uh, focus in on this amazing decade of film and, and, and try and do 
cover as many of the films as possible that came out while uh, incorporating the people who were part of it. And so he kickstarted it uh, pretty much a year ago. It was uh, in October of 2018 that uh, he, he had an incredibly uh, successful Kickstarter. And I came on the project just before that happened. Uh, and I was amazed at the incredible response. We met our goal in two days and then we just, it was just Jeez. stellar wow. after that. And it really showed not only also domestically, but a worldwide hunger for this material because we had supporters from, from not only the UK and America, but all around the world. And, uh, once that got rolling and we had already a bunch of people who were, uh, who were attached to the project, some names, it was kind of a snowball effect in terms of finding more people and attaching more people. And uh, we got into production in uh, uh, the early part of this year, in 2019, starting in uh, February, March, April, May is when we did all the shooting. And we shot in a number of cities. We shot a bulk of it in Los Angeles, but uh, we shot some in, in England. We shot some in um, New York and, and Pittsburgh uh, and Pennsylvania area and uh, a couple of other areas as well. But uh, we got a wonderful cast and uh, it was just a, an embarrassment of riches. We had such a great time and it was a real treat for me because my bread and butter is I really enjoy sitting down and, and picking the brains of, of these icons who are heroes of mine. I mean, I'm a huge fan, but I've also been in this industry uh, uh, interviewing people for years, uh, starting with uh, even before Entertainment Tonight. So I kind of cut my teeth on that. So I can I can fanboy before and after, but not during. And I, I can, <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and while I'm doing it, I could I could obviously stay focused. But what what was a real uh, treat for this film was we got to this was these were all exclusive sit downs. We didn't catch people at conventions. We arranged it. They came in, or we'd go to their home, uh, and 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 we'd sit down for 45 minutes to 90 minutes talking about not only the projects that they were uh, crucial uh, elements of, but their favorite films as well and what they love and what their perspective is on that whole decade, whether it's the special effects or whether it's the, the, ma the machinations of the business when they were there and, and how it's all perceived now. Right. Yeah. I, I told David before we got on there, I've only got to see half the doc because I couldn't fast forward. So once I went back to review it, I couldn't start from where I start at stopped. So I haven't finished it, but I mean, the first two hours are just incredible. Um, so specifically, and this might be the longest answer for, for what we asked. Um, what do you think it is about the horror from that decade that's so important and has continued to resonate so many years later? Um, and do you think the 80s is the most important decade for horror ever? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it's the most important horror for decade ever. I think uh, every decade builds on a previous decade. And mm -hmm. I think filmmaking uh, as a whole, no matter what genre you are, uh, builds on the storytelling from previous decades and generations. Uh, that being said, you can take, you know, what, there's, there's the, uh, the age old saying that there's only so many stories, but that you just have to reframe them and rework them and tell them in different ways. Uh, and I, very, I believe that's very much true, but I think people respond to what, what's familiar yet different. 
Um, the 80s really uh, coincided with a seismic shift in the way things, technology was changing. So uh, coming off the heels of some really radical films in the 70s, whether it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre or The, or the Exorcist or The Omen, uh, you basically had uh, practical effects that were really changing the game. And what happened was you have a, a change in the way we were able to see these movies. And it wasn't always just a, in the in the theater or the drive-in. It's beamed into your home, you know, on cable TV. You can go to the video store. And the thing, rules were pretty lax at most video stores. And you can kind of get a rated R movie if you were underage. So a, lot, a whole generation, a lot of us who grew up then, including myself, got to see things earlier than we probably should have. And it made quite mm -hmm. an impact. And when we look back on it now, I think it, it carries a lot of emotional and nostalgic uh, weight based on the fact that we got to see these things at, at a very impressionable age. But ultimately what, what I think is unique about that particular decade is because of this, this sort of revolution in the way we would consume this entertainment, uh, you've got a lot more indie filmmaking. You've got much more creativity from these filmmakers because they didn't have to go through the gatekeepers of the uh, studio system. They could kind of make what they want and go straight to video and get distribution. Or even the, uh, the theaters would, or the grindhouses would, would play a lot of these films like, you know, Frank Henenlotter's um, Basket Case, for example, because it, it, they didn't have to do much advertising. There was kind of a built-in core genre audience. It was making money hand over fist uh, because it, it costs so little to make and people would, would line up to see these films. Uh, it really, uh, I think everyone sort of saw it as a, a friendly and not so friendly competition to make the best and most creative and most insane film that incorporated genre elements, you know, sex, violence, gore, nudity, Oh, that's all you needed on a on a on a shoestring budget, and you could make millions. And so, I think everyone was chasing that. Yeah, it's kind of what you said. I mean, there wouldn't have been a paranormal activity if there wasn't a Blair Witch, mm -hmm. you know. So it's kind of, you know, piggybacks off the previous generation. And, and there wouldn't like be a Blair Witch if you didn't have such accessible, in, inexpensive technology to be able to make a film, uh, and 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 edit and produce a film. Uh, so right. Yeah, exactly. You know, you started talking a little bit about special effects and Tom Savini is my hero. I've, I've wanted to, I work as a makeup artist and, and I've wanted to be an, you know, an FX artist since I was a child because a lot of these films. So it's funny growing up at, you know, as, as somebody that was born in that time period and exposed to those movies growing up and seeing now they're reverting back to those styles of special effects. They're trying to bring more of the visceral feel and get away from the CGI. So that's been a, really cool thing for me with the, you know, that particular interest. Cause that's what made me fall in love with horror movies to begin with. So Tom mm. Savini is the best. Um, I really wanted to go to his makeup school. <laughs> yeah. But he, he's, he's, he's a star in our film, even though we weren't able to land him, we wanted him in it. Uh, he, he wanted to be in the film as well, uh, but we chased, we chased after each other in terms of our schedules and, uh, but Greg Nicotero I, I was there, so you didn't totally lose out. 
There you go. Well, I was going to say, well, I should probably blame Grit because, <laughs> uh, because of uh, Creepshow, the TV show, um, Savini, John, Tom Savini was uh, directing an episode and I, I found him uh, when I would be, I, I went to Pin, uh, Pittsburgh to talk to Tom Atkins and Doug Bradley and they said, well, you're talking to Tom while you're here too. And I said, no, because our, our schedules keep on, we meet, keep on missing each other. And um, unfortunately, uh, it would have been wonderful. Maybe in a future iteration of this film, we could uh, uh, have Tom uh, be in this film. And it's and but, funny, um, Tom's kind of found great. his way in, into several parts of my life. Um, I'm a big Slipknot fan. So he's worked with Corey Taylor, who, you know, is a big fan mm-hmm. and, and you worked with him. And But he also just made a mask for a... Uh, kind of like a horror concept wrestler um, called The Fiend. And me mm-hmm. and Eli are really big wrestling fans. So y- you've I've been able to see him work in this other weird niche interest that I've that we have. So that was that was pretty cool. He's just a legend all around. So that actually answered my question um, for you was, who did you really want? Um, so I guess you, you, you answered that with him, but who were you the most surprised that you actually got on the dock? I would say John Carpenter. Um, yeah. you know, he, he was, in my opinion, because he was, uh, every, everyone, I have to say really, the idea, the approach to this film was we wanted as many people as we, we could get, but at a certain point, you, you had, there's too many. Uh, you have to draw the line, and so it was important to me to get a very good cross section of people, uh, whether they were actors, whether they were writers, whether they were directors, whether they were composers, whether they were effects folks, uh, whether they were uh, you know horror or entertainment journalists, whether they're even YouTube creators who have a huge following uh, and, and podcasts as well uh, in terms of. Uh, Recording a, a whole younger generation who's learning about this stuff. Um, that it was important to me to find that cross section, and so I got to a point when we were nearing fifty people where I just said everyone would sit down and they'd say, "Oh, you're, you, you've got you've talked to this person, right?" And I'd say, nah, "I wish, I wish," but we have to we have to draw a line somewhere with our with our budget and with our time frame. So um, John Carpenter for me really changed the game and was an absolute influence. Uh, I mean, so many of his films are just huge favorites of mine throughout his, his career, you know, late seventies, mid seventies, eighties and nineties. And it, it, to have him be part of this film, not only talking about his own work, but other people's work and also having to him be incredibly candid about uh, sort of the badgering that he got critically, you know, throughout the 80s and how that really affected his mindset and uh, his output and, and, and his memories of these things was a real, uh, it was a real treat to have him in this film. Yeah, that's super cool. Is there anyone that you wanted that didn't make Other it? Other than Tom like, Savini. <laughs> super fanboy. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, I, I, you know, I mean, everybody, everybody. I mean, it's it's we and when and, and I want I just I I well, who we have ultimately, which is close to fifty people, is we're so happy to have them and so many great names. And part of the thrill of this was a thrill of the hunt for me to say, let's see if we can get this person, and then to land them 
uh, was an absolute high, an absolute thrill. And then to sit down with some of them who I knew, others who I was meeting for the first time, everyone being so so generous with their time and 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 being so candid and honest and seemingly enjoying themselves as well because they didn't have to talk only about their own project that was great um, but yeah there were it got to the point where there were some people who were who were reaching out to us saying I hear you're doing this film we'd love to be in it and I felt awful because we just had to sort of like I said draw the line at, at a certain point so yeah there I, I would still be filming interviews at this moment <laughs> in time if I could be, because yeah. this is this is such a comprehensive film, and I'm in such a completist that uh, even at the running time of four hours and and twenty minutes, I still feel like there's so much to tackle and cover, and 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 it was important to focus in on on the American filmmaking aspect of the of the horror genre in the '80s, but you know, there's a whole world out there. And so many other amazing, you know, uh, filmmakers, Fulci, Argento, that, you know, we could give lip service to, but we didn't even have sort of the the, the space to incorporate in this film. And again, maybe in a future iteration, we'll be able to do that. But that's... Uh, yeah. That's, it. that's super cool, the response y'all are having, like, for you and for everybody involved and for the horror community. Um are there any plans for a theatrical run or physical copies coming out of it? Yeah. Well, so what's happening is uh, premiering uh, by the time this comes out, I'm not sure when the podcast is coming out, but uh, October 6th. Oh, this is live by the way. This is this. No, <laughs> hey, so, coming soon. It's, um, October 6th is uh, the premiere of the film on the big screen at Beyond Fest, oh, great. the genre festival in Los Angeles at the Egyptian theater. And, uh, because it's a lot, the, the idea from the get go is that this is a film that is meant to be a, uh, a physical copy that you hold in your hand that you can return to again and again in multiple settings. And the length grew and grew and we talked to our backers and we said, how do you feel about uh, an extended length? And there was a resounding enthusiastic, as long as you want to make it, we'll watch it. Because they could, they could watch it in sittings, as many sittings as they want. And they're going to be able to either have a download or they're going to have a DVD or a Blu-ray. And they could obviously navigate to whether they want to navigate to the year or a chapter about you know heroes or villains or you know pop culture and politics in the 80s or special effects and uh, sound design. It's all in there. Um, and then we're looking at various distributors as well. We have no announcements just yet, but we want to determine whether uh, a streaming element or a theatrical element is is another step. But it is a long film. So for these film fests, we're cutting it in half and you get two hours plus an intermission and then the next you know, you know I got to say, you know, just to make sure that we get yeah, it out, what you did is really important. And I think it's an important to us and it's an important to thing for the filmmakers and, and kind of what you've done is, you know, really unprecedented in the horror community. There's never been a fully comprehensive documentary about so many iconic films. So I, I just want to make sure like from my heart, I tell you how important this was for us. Um, and, and how happy we are oh, that you, you made it. I just, it gives us so much, uh, <laughs> it gives us so much joy to watch that, especially me, you know, cause the behind the scenes stuff is my favorite. Um, so that's, 
it gives us a lot of joy. And I want to make sure I say thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, yeah. it, it, we, we, we've been saying it's, it's, it's for the fans by the fans and, and our group creator VC uh, is a is a group that's kind of dotted around the globe and has by modern technology been able to put this project together uh, and it's been quite impressive uh, on the production end to be able to pull it off and um, you know I said that this is going to the backers and then we're going to have uh, other distribution plans that we will announce but during the during October uh, anyone can get this movie you go to 80shorrordoc.com and you can purchase it directly, whether it's a physical copy or a digital copy. Um, but uh, this is something that everyone on our end, we're not just a bunch of, uh, we, we really care. We're, we're not passively interested in horror and sort of trying to cash in or capitalize. I think we're all just huge super fans. Um, but we're definitely uh, motivated by telling a very comprehensive story and you know, getting some, it was so important to me to, to make this a fun romp, an experience that's, that not only sends you through, you know, a nostalgia, nostalgia trip, but uh, hopefully you, you learn some stuff, but not in a uh, didactic way, you know, so you'll, you'll know things, you'll recognize things, you'll learn things, you'll find out about movies or moments you didn't know, you'll, you'll, be rewarded with many things that you do know, but perhaps some angles on them that you didn't quite realize. And uh, hopefully at the end of the day, when all said and done, you're going to turn this off and then you're going to watch the movies themselves that inspired this film. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the overall goal I think is, you know, shine the light on these awesome movies. Um, so you kind of answered the next question that we were going to do. So we can kind of go back to one we skipped. Um, what are some of your favorite horror movies from the eighties? Wow. So many. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have, uh, I, I'm one of those people who loves to have a toe in a variety of different subgenres. So I guess I have 10 toes, so I could make 10 choices if I want, but, um, I some of my all time favorites are are American Werewolf in London and The Shining. Uh, I'm a huge Phantasm two and Phantasm fan. Phantasm isn't an '80s film, but it's tail end of the '70s. But Phantasm mm-hmm. two is, is square in there. Um, I I really enjoy some of the more quirky eccentric films that are out there as well. I have a, I have a great appreciation for uh, Brian Yuzna's Society which you wouldn't, oh, arguably yeah. wouldn't even be calling that a, a horror film necessarily, but it's definitely weird. It's definitely a practical effects nightmare in the best way possible. <laughs> and, uh, it's, and it sticks with you. It sticks to your guts. Um, Reanimator and From Beyond, it was a real pleasure to mm. have that quartet. I had Stuart Gordon, director Stuart Gordon, producer Brian Yosna, and I had Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs in this film talking about uh, those projects and the other ones that they've been in, 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 uh, a part of. Uh, I mean, I could just do a laundry list. Um, so many. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could keep going. Uh, you know, it's like you ask a film fan, what's your favorite? And it just depends on the day. You know, I, I have yeah. a real soft spot for Halloween 3. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad it's finally getting its due because I'm, I, 
I, I'm the weirdo because I like three and I like six, the one with Paul Rudd. Oh. And I don't know anyone that likes that flick. I'm like, I don't care. I like it. <laughs> well, one unique element about the horror genre is it really kind of transcends criticism for the fans. Fans really mm-hmm. rally around and stand by and defend some of the weirdest and oddest and kookiest and ridiculous and darkest stuff out there. And, and most and something there's something about the horror genre where people don't really rip into it like they do other genres and, and mm-hmm. say, you know, I am I am my choice is superior to yours. And I'll tell you why. I mean, there's something about right. horror where I think we all have an appreciation for the, the the craft that goes into these things and the practical effects that and the majesty of these practical effects that you just don't have as much now. You know, you were talking about earlier about how they're kind of going back to practical effects now. And that's such a rewarding thing to see this pendulum kind of swinging back from the extreme uh, digital sort of faux nature of CGI. Uh, I think I think you could find a, a really interesting balance. I've learned from a lot of the people that I've talked to that you can have practical effects and sweeten them with CGI. So as long as there's a tangible thing on screen that people are interacting with there, it feels real, uh, but you can get a little more out of it with some CGI sweetening, but given a choice between CGI and practical, I think film film audiences are savvy and they know if it's, if it's there or if it's not literally. And, uh, and I think people are demanding it more and more. And I think uh, producers are starting to recognize the value in practical effects. And it really does make a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, David, we're super excited for everything that you're doing for horror. And uh, why don't you tell everybody what's going on in your life and what's next for you? Uh, well, what's going on in my life now is, uh, is lots of press and promotion for this. I'm very excited. This is, uh, this is, this has been a labor of love and, uh, I'm so, I'm so happy that it's coming out in October because it's just the perfect, there is no better month I think to release in search of darkness, you know, when everyone's ramping Mm, up and, you know, I, I saw, I saw your, your list of the films, your 2019 celebration of the decade list. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's some really fun choices on there. And I, I think, People want to, they just want to straddle a bunch of decades and, and sometimes need someone to curate for them. And I think this is a, a perfect curation for the 80s of some of the best films, some of the more eccentric films, some of the weirdest films, some of the most popular films that you might have not seen or just haven't seen in a while. Um, mm-hmm. What's next for me? I am doing another film with Creator VC, and we're going to be doing a third film in this uh, In Search of what people are calling an insert, the In Search of Trilogy, uh, and it's called In Search of Tomorrow, and it's all about 80s sci-fi movies. So, I am so beside myself with excitement for that because that's – that's something that speaks to me. I always have the conversation with everybody of like crossing the lines between horror and sci-fi. So like anything that really crosses that border is just so good. I think the thing is we're, we're all fans through and through and you don't, it's not, it's not binary. It's not black and white. You don't have to be just the ultimate horror fan. You know, everyone has, mm. has, has shaded interests in the best way possible. 
And uh, you can just be the ultimate fan in something, but still just have a, a, a love and appreciation and be the ultimate fan in other genres as well. And, you know, I grew up uh, as a monster kid, but I also grew up as a sci-fi kid, you know, Star Trek and Star Wars and Space 1999 and Jerry Anderson. That was all my, my foundation and that rocked my world and changed my life and my appreciation for wanting to learn about filmmaking and, and this whole industry here. And so to be able to have this opportunity to kind of uh, cut my teeth on in search of darkness and then approach this next film in, in a similar, but, you know, slightly different way uh, is very exciting. And I'm really looking forward to it. Well, we are very excited. Uh, we've, everyone else has seen it. I've, I'm halfway finished with it. Um, yeah, very excited for that. Rest. Sorry for uh, you weren't able to, dive back in in the middle. Uh, that's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm going to buy it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. I just wanted to prepare before t- tonight's episode. But anyways, um, one last question. We'll let you off the hook. Uh, where can people keep up with you online? Are you on social media? Do you have your own website? Yeah, I, I have my own website. It's called uh, itcamefromblog.com. And uh, I have a Twitter handle and Instagram handle with that called, you know, at itcamefromblog. And uh, you could also find me, and and that's on Facebook as well. And uh, you can find me bouncing around on Twitter at Tiki Ambassador. Nice. Uh, and and you could find uh, all the '80s horror doc stuff at '80shorrordoc.com, uh, where you can get the movie, and you can go to the various handles, which are all '80s horror doc. And then the sci-fi stuff is is launching and uh, is ramping up as well. So you can go to '80s sci-fi doc as well. So. I expect everyone, I'm going to quiz everyone on all those handles. You know, yeah, you know. yeah. But, well, um, <laughs> maybe when we get finished with the, the sci-fi one, we'll get you back on and talk about that because we're, like you said, we, we're sci-fi buffs too. So Yeah, it would be my pleasure. You know, awesome. um, I, for the, it came from blog stuff. It's all, it's all genre of fun and appreciation and nostalgia. And, uh, you know, I, I do my best to foster a very proactive and, and happy and positive and, and less than, if not completely cynical, free uh, zone for people to just, you know, share what they love and talk about what they love. And so that's definitely what, if you're looking for that kind of uh, environment, that's what you can find there. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. I mean, obviously, this has been a labor of love. You're in the finish line. Everything's, you know, going to start rolling out. So we appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time today and we'll, you know, we're going to keep plugging this and until the end, just cause it's, you know, pretty much catered exactly for us. So uh, yeah, we're, we're very excited about it. Thank you so much for having me on and, and spread the good horror word about, uh, it came, sorry, <laughs> in search of darkness. Ooh. I, uh, I have a feeling it's going to go over well. I think I think you're going to be okay. You might have had you might have cracked a code here. So yeah, yeah. I I hope so. I mean, really, just to that point, I think um, I think this is something that people can watch over and over whenever they want to. It's not. It's it's obviously uh, quite an experience to sit through. If in one sitting, much less multiple sittings, but uh, this is the type of thing that I personally would come back to, you know, every Halloween, if not more often. And I think it, everyone, everyone will find who's a horror fan will find something that meant something to them in this film, hopefully. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, we will let you go and we appreciate it, David. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Thank you so, so much. Mm-hmm.